one podcast. Mining the Magic the Gathering community for salt. This is The Howling Salt Mine. It's The Howling Salt Mine. The Howling Salt Mine. Well, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of The Howling Salt Mine podcast. The podcast where we delve into those salty, salty minds of the Magic the Gathering community, find the salty stories, the salty posts, those salty confessionals that we love, put them in our mind cart, and bring them right back up to you, our dear prospectors at home. As always, I'm your host, Sam, and I'm joined today by my two co-hosts, Mike and Tony. So, hey, guys. What up, what up, what up? Hello, everybody. I think eventually my what, it'll just be like so long that that's the episode. It'll just be like, what? <laughs> what, up, what up? That, that was like nowhere near the length of a full episode, Tony, yeah. what you just did. Well, no, no, no. That was just the example of what it's going to be next time. So that the time afterwards, when it's the whole episode, people are like prepared for it. They're like fucking ready. You know? oh, okay. That's that's a shocking rate of change between yeah. this episode and next episode being the one where it takes up the whole episode. It's exponential or logarithmic or whatever the fuck math thing is. Where it, oh, man. Hockey sticks. You know what I'm talking about? Are you going to do that in like one breath or are we going to need to edit it all together? Um... That's a great question. Time will tell. Time will tell. Like, are you going to full Bill Withers this and it just be like an insane voice machine? <laughs> well, because then we can auto-tune it and then just make it into a song while we're at it as well. And it can go like, I'm down and like, yeah, so. Dude, just do circular breathing like Kenny G. Like didgeridoo players. Just use one lung at a time. Yeah. And then breathe with the second <laughs> lung. Like yeah, one lung breathe. in, one lung out. And when you need to breathe, just fart in perfect tune. Oh my god! And people won't even know. And then you just start breathing again. <laughs> so when I was a child, I like desperately wanted to learn circular breathing because I like wanted to be able to play a didgeridoo because I'm mm -hmm. cool like that for some reason. I was so real cool. Woke. Do you know what those are? Yes. Uh, not only do I know what a didgeridoo is, I made one, and I am I also really cool. Fucking loser. <laughs> and, and, and used to play didgeridoo, and also wanted to learn how to circular breathe. <laughs> <laughs> this all tracks so hard. Oh, why? But so, like, gosh. my mom got me like this, this like book and a didgeridoo. Like, I had a didgeridoo. Sick. So, for those out there who don't know what that is, it is an Australian instrument. Uh, I don't know what glass it falls under it's like an aboriginal instrument yeah, yeah, yeah cool is it technically a woodwind maybe no because there's no reed no, it is not there's just a fucking hole and you blow in it <laughs> like it makes wah 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 sounds yeah like that, literally that didn't get cut out <laughs> also it's a one mana artifact uh where you pay three and you can put a minotaur permanent from your hand onto the battlefield shut up really yes yeah it's a homelands card that's awesome <laughs> really yeah didgeridoo is a card it's like a staple in minotaur decks staple <laughs> because it has only been printed once and if you want to do like a minotaur deck it is extremely OP because you could just put Minotaurs onto the battlefield for three <laughs> mana, dude. That is pretty wow. dope. That's pretty right? sick. But yeah, in order to properly play it, like a true artist of the didgeridoo, mm -hmm. like learns how to circular breathe so that you can just like be constantly doing. So I was like blowing bubbles with a straw for like fucking weeks. Hell I yeah, never dude. got any better, but that was supposedly a way to like learn how to do it. Like 
blow through a straw and like try and like breathe yeah. your nose some shit Keep like the pressure on the straw going i did the same yeah. thing so yeah. i also played like trumpet and baritone horn and euphonium in high school and because we were all like brass players like circular breathing was like oh like this cool technique like you know everyone who's doing woodwind or brass at some point we all got the circular breathing bug and we're trying to do it it's funny you mentioned this because i was literally reading about this like last week with caroline so circular <laughs> breathing is actually incredibly dangerous to do oh really super super oh, it's dangerous. not just hard it's also dangerous <laughs> because the longer you do it you deprive your body of oxygen so it is like incredibly dangerous and it puts a lot of pressure on like the veins in your neck and stuff so kenny g who i mentioned earlier is like one of the best jazz saxophonists ever to live basically and he has a world record uh for the longest sustained note on i think it was like an alto sax or maybe a tenor sax or something or a soprano and guess how long he sustained this note um 47 minutes wow that's pretty fucking close yeah it was like 45 minutes <laughs> yo that's what's up you should have guessed lower because then the number i said would have been like cooler. uh like four minutes it actually like almost 10 times that 11 Whoa. times <laughs> isn't that crazy wow. I just actually distinctly remember from my little learning book that like the people who are really good at it could do it for hours. So I was like, well, I don't know, maybe 45 minutes sounds reasonable. Like, So he did this and he holds the world record still and no one else will ever take the record from him because it is so dangerous that the Guinness Book of World Records will not allow anyone to go for that record because they could fucking die. Someone yeah. could still do it. <laughs> Just not being Guinness, but it's yeah, not going to get recognized. Just a beer yeah. company won't recognize you. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like you know, it's oh like God. Like, is that? No, I think it's not. No, okay. it is. It is, is the it? beer company. It's like yes. Guinness beer. Guinness, like oh, that's great. I mean, now I have to look it up. So yeah, it the Guinness Book of World Records is related to Guinness breweries. Oh wow, that's like Michelin. The tire people are the Michelin food people. <laughs> yeah. Do you know why they made the Michelin star system? To get people to drive around more. Yeah, to get people to drive around more. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. And now people just fly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking wild, man. Anyways, before we get started, let's shout out our nice tier patrons. <laughs> let's shout hey. out our nice tier patrons. We got Hephaestus Bolts, Prime Speaker Florian, Yef Judge, Accidental TPK and Cream Bean. Mm, the bean and cream. Nice. nice. Jumping in there, Cream Bean. So back to didgeridoos and circular breathing, or do we start like talking about magic? <laughs> Did you now? guys know that didgeridoo is actually the only artifact that references minotaurs as well? Really? There's no other. If you just search for type artifact oracle text minotaur, it's the only one that shows up. I mean, I believe you. I'm I'm not gonna even fact check it. I yeah. believe you with my whole heart when it comes to scryfall shit well that's good because i lied <laughs> for oh, some oh, reason awkward. i lied on that no i didn't it's real <laughs> so that you're gonna shatter my whole existence like he's gonna shatter your whole um oh <laughs> hey oh. before we get too far away shatter it 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry, dude. No thanks. <laughs> it's it's just like like glass, man. I was gonna say you got to insert like a breaking glass thing right there. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. I'll insert that echoey fart sound. Let's do zero inserting. <laughs> Let's just do no inserting at this point. We, I wasn't even going Mike. there. <laughs> yeah, but you did also. <laughs> oh man. So before we get into the main app, I I have to share this. This has been burning a hole in my pocket for the last like four episode records and i just haven't found a good moment for it so i'm just gonna so this seems appropriate yeah so i mean on the topic of insertion i'm gonna insert this anecdote into the episode so this happened at the last month's patreon game night and this was just like a fucking buck wild game that i need to talk about so i'm playing a cdh game with thotamus prime rothbox and prime speaker florian Florian had stayed up. Florian is in Germany. So Florian was up at like fucking four, like three or four in the morning or something to play Savage. with us, which was amazing. So we were just trying to jam as many games as we could because, you know, it's such a rare time that we get Florian on there. So we're playing a CDH game, right? And Thotimus Prime was in seat one and had to mull down to four cards. So this was their turn one. Like, check out this four-card hand, because it's fucking it's fucking insane. So turn one, they play Morphic Pool, Dark Ritual, to get three black mana. Off the Dark Ritual, they cast Cabal Ritual to get five black mana. And then they cast the One Ring. Turn one, Molda nice. four. That's about as good as it gets for Molda four. <laughs> right? And then, of course, Florian... Hits it with a fucking force of negation. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yep. dude. It was such a good moment. We were like, what a crazy hand. Multiplore. Yep. And Florian's just like, eat it, dude. It was ridiculous. But thought of his prime like was still such a force in that game. Uh, after that, they top decked a fairy mastermind and a land, cast that out on turn two, and then turn three got Timna out. So it was like they were like barely barely held back by that but it was just it was just such a crazy moment gotta mention it gotta get it in the app that's like our last cdh game where i i think i mulled the five and played a an s percent null and you mental misstepped in it sometimes those cdh <laughs> hands you keep and you're like well i have a draw engine that i can get out early and then someone counters it and you're like okay that was that was the whole game kind yeah. of hinged on that <laughs> one card for me Dude, I was playing with um, Dan from Moderately Anonymous, MTG, and the Nitpicking Nerds, Mia and BZ, the other night. And, <laughs> you know, we're on like our first or second game or something. I keep a hand. I'm playing Dawn Waker Thrasios. I keep a hand that gives me a turn one Thrasios and a turn two Rhystic Study. Felt pretty good, right? Pre-game actions come down. I had a Gemstone Caverns, which was how I was getting my turn one Thras. And Mia... Mia takes a pregame after me and reveals Chancellor of the Annex from her hand. Have you ever seen this card? Yeah, I love the Chancellors. I don't. The Chancellor of the Tangle is actually kind of legit, too. So Chancellor of the Annex is a seven-cost Phyrexian Angel. Costs four and three white. And it says you may reveal this card from your opening hand. If you do, when each opponent casts their first spell of the game, counter that spell unless that player pays one. Mm. And then once you actually cast it and it comes down, uh, it just says whenever an opponent casts a spell, counter it unless that player pays one. Guess what color that is, Tony? Blue. It's fucking white. 
it's white. Silly, you silly goose. And I also said that it was and he white. Still, so. And he still thought it was blue. <laughs> well, look at this blue hater. <laughs> it said don't play magic. So I was like, it must be blue. White says that a lot too, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but white's about as fair as you can get because it usually sucks at everything else, but it's like better now. So 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 she dropped this like as a pregame, and basically all of our first hands were fucked because it isn't like you can just sandbag your first turn. Mm. You have to cast something because your first spell of the game gets countered. So even if I was like, ah, I just won't cast anything turn one, like that's not it. The first thing that gets cast gets countered. So I ended up just getting rid of my Thrasios, which was a bummer. Still casting a turn one, getting encountered. But like BZ had like a Lotus Petal that he just sort of fed to the Chancellor. And it, it was just a very, very game warping that like perfect example of a turn one game warping moment. But can you mm-hmm. just pay the one? I mean, I couldn't at the time. You can wait and sandbag and I could have had like a turn two Thrasios and a turn three Ristic study. But I'd rather have my Thrasios get countered and get Ristic out on turn two. Because Ristic is, is fucking Yeah, good. I'm, I'm, I'm more thinking about like the Lotus Petal. Like, all you have to do is pay one. Like, yeah, like play your land. So he had he had a no land hand. Oh. oh. He, he, he had a Lotus Petal and a Chrome Mox. And his plan was going to be Lotus Petal, Chrome Mox, Dranith Magistrate, turn one, seat one. Yeah. Um, and ended up having to put the Dranith under the Chrome Mox and get rid of the Lotus Petal and then played an Esper Sentinel. So it's still pretty good turn one. Yeah. But like completely warped that. Hand. Yeah, it totally shoots the. It was really, really funny, dude. I, I love those moments in CDH. Like the first round of play in CDH can just really set the tone for the entire game. But yeah, I was trying to think of how to be like, you know, what sets tone on salt, but it didn't really work. You're our tone. You know what sets tone on salt? Um, this guy <laughs> was fucking smooth as ice, baby. Yeah. Well done, guys. Glad you guys got this on lock. You don't did need we me. do good, Mike? Yeah, did, was you guys that a did good transition. Fuck yeah. I'm so proud of you, kids. <laughs> you oh, guys I need him anymore. So well, can we cut him out yet? Like, <laughs> yikes! That's that secret clause that, like, when when you print the contract and rub blood on it, like, you'll see that Sam and I have a blood pact in there. <laughs> That's okay that that's just a YouTube guys thing. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy with my blood in me. <laughs> uh, noted. Noted for the future. Well, okay, cool. Yeah, you're going to lose out on the health benefits and, and dental that Tony and I both get <laughs> on the podcast. It is surprisingly good dental. Yeah, it's oddly good dental. I don't know why we went so hard with the dental coverage from the podcast, but... <laughs> It's because of all the salt you're eating. Speaking of salt. Hey! <laughs> That's how salt works. But well, I accept the transition. <laughs> Might be relevant for your teeth. Dentist listeners, please write in and tell us how salt, what it does to your teeth. And if it's positive, negative, or neutral. I'm not going to read that. Anyhow. <laughs> you don't have to read it. <laughs> we wouldn't all read right. it as a post. <laughs> Salt is frustration in the game. <laughs> Tony, were you going to ask me or, or are you just completely shirking your, your Shut duties? Shut the fuck up. What salt, <laughs> Sam? <laughs> ah, so so angry and so on it. Air quotes. Um, thanks, Tony. Salt is frustration in the game, folks. Salt is when, you know, someone's playing a Thassa's Oracle combo in your casual game. Maybe somebody didn't quite get the memo on your budget deck builds and someone built like a $50 crazy combo deck that wins every single game. That seems from my experience to get people a little bit salty. (laughs) 
Or maybe you have a game where you play your great combo deck and just nothing happens and you get a little bummed out because of that. And, I was uh, saying, I think there's more salt on the flip side when you don't auto win. <laughs> yeah, you get kind of salty there. Salt is really a spectrum. It's an umbrella term. And we're here to talk about everything from the small grains all the way to the full shakers. And we talk about salt so we can learn from it and try to be a little less salty in a future game. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. You guys want to get into our first story here? Yeah, take us into the mine, baby. This first one that we have here, guys, this is a special one. We're going to spend a little bit of time on this one. Uh, this post comes to us from our buddy Uncle Stern. You've heard from him before on the show. And this is a Gmail submission. And the title of this one is Rebuttal to the Digi Story in Episode 80. That's right. We got a follow-up story for you today, folks. And we don't usually do follow-up stories. We do get them sometimes, but uh, this one just has so much effort in, put into it that we <laughs> that we absolutely have to fucking read it. So <laughs> I saw the email come in for this, and I don't usually read posts when I see them, but I I did see this come in while I was like boarding a plane, and I like opened it, and I was like, "That's funny." And then I sat on the plane like as we got ready for takeoff and everything. I was just reading it or like. It got me up to cruising altitude. There's a yeah. lot of content. But it sounds like that means it's long. It's like a four-page PDF to this email. <laughs> and, and I haven't read it. I'm going in completely blind on this one. So I'm I'm pretty stoked. Oh, we talked about this. You're not good at reading. Like, you need to read them ahead of time. Hey. Um, wow. Cutting that out. That insult to me. So I'm going to read the email, and then we'll dive into the attachment here. So the email says, Sam, Tony, and Mike, 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 Mike. Hell yeah. It's me. You know, I may have overdone this. I would like to formally appeal the salt rating of the sugar break issued on HSM episode 80, story two. <laughs> Citing his sources. Details for my appeal can be found in the attached PDF file. Should any alterations need to be made, please do not hesitate to let me know. May 2024 have as much salt as 2023 and more. Stern. Hmm. I don't know if more salt is the aim that we're shooting for, but I'll allow it. Mike just doesn't want to have content to talk about anymore. I do. So keep giving us salt. <laughs> Give me the salt. I got a secret for you all. It's going to be the exact same amount of salt because we put out an episode every single week and each week we do three <laughs> salty stories. So it's probably going to be a very comparable amount of salt this year, uh, which is actually great. Yeah. Slight variance based on the occasional sugar break, but yeah, it'll be okay. I thought you were going to say based on like the occasional leap year. I guess sometimes we have a salty preamble if one of us is really raging about something. So. Uh, who knows? Maybe we'll get some of those. So anyways, this document is dated December 28th, 2023. And the title of it is Uncle Stern Submission of Appeal on the Salt Rating Issued in HSM Episode 80, Story 2, We Always Salt the Ones We Love, which is the title of that story. Ladies and gentlemen of the salt, it is with the utmost urgency I submit this letter to you to appeal the salt rating of Sugar Break that was levied upon a salty story titled You Always Salt the Ones You Love recently submitted by Digimans1 and read on HSM episode 80 with the Mind Sculptors, Diners, Drive-Ins, and Mom, Can You Pick Me Up? Air date, December 28th, 2023. <laughs> Surprise, there's no timestamp. <laughs> For context, also, this is arranged as if it were a legal document, like yeah, presenting a case. <laughs> there's like articles. And, and even the font is like a typewriter-esque font, which I yeah. really appreciate. <laughs> Subtle things. 
Ain't no papyrus in here. Yeah, no papyrus. Please don't send us anything written in papyrus. <laughs> I'm not going to read it on the show. I can't believe you just that. Now everything you get is going to be papyrus from here on out. <laughs> uh, well, I, I'm not going to read them, so don't do it. <laughs> May the record reflect that I have no opposition to the facts presented by Digi in his original submission. However, where charm and good looks have gotten him through most of his life unchallenged, <laughs> it is imperative that prospectors are presented with all of the facts. It's true. Digi is a good looking man. <laughs> it is my position that material facts were omitted from the story, resulting in an undue positive impact on the salt rating issued, thus robbing your listeners of the truth and threatening the integrity of the salt with a capital S. Ooh. Hmm. Article one on the topic of background. Did you disclose that we know each other well? And sure, I was the best man at his wedding and killed the toast. But did you fail to tell your listeners the most important fact? He was the core influence who introduced me to magic to begin with. In late 2019, I began collecting the cards. And in 2020, I began playing on Arena. Eventually, he convinced me to build a commander deck and inspired me to play with others. Upon the completion of my first commander game, where I piloted Sarulf Realm Eater to two honorable but anticipated defeats, he imparted two lessons to me. Lesson number one, mana ramp. My mana base was all lands. He said I'd have a better time if I could get some dorks and rocks out to cast faster. So obvious now, but I needed to hear it then. Number two, threat assessment. In our second game that day, I was disproportionately targeted by another player because of Sarulf's board wipe mechanic. The player used all of their resources to keep me down, which allowed the other two players' boards to flourish and one of them to win. Moving on to Article 2, on the topic of slivers. December 28th, 2022, one year prior to the Howling Sawmine episode 80 air date, Digimans announces he will be returning to the area I live in for Christmas with his family. He, myself, and a third friend make plans to meet up at an LGS to play Commander. The three of us played one game together, then friend three, let's call him Francis, had matters to attend to in the form of a chicken parm sandwich, so he bowed out to watch while an alternate third, Birdman, and a random shopgoer, I want to say Jeff or Eugene, I really don't know. Game two was the genesis of Digi's next lesson. Our commanders, Uncle Stern, was playing Korvold, the fake Curse King. Digi was present when I pulled this card from a pack and told me not to build a deck around it, so obviously I did and had to play it with him. Of course, appropriate. It was not optimal, but still formidable. Oh my God, I, I didn't mention this, but this December 28th, 2022 thing, like Stern included a screenshot of like them making plans to meet up at the LGS and play. <laughs> Just ridiculous. Yeah, that's a good scroll back. Yeah, that's that's wild. Okay, continuing. Digi, not sure, was probably playing something with Infect or Discard or something that steals cards and makes everyone sad. Not important to the story. There's a little bit of slander there, but we'll, we'll let it pass. Birdman was playing Sliver Queen. This one is important. And Jeff Jean was playing Toski Bear of Secrets. God, I love this squirrel. A little editorializing in here, but we'll we'll accept it in, in this legal document. This was the first <laughs> or second time I piloted this Corval deck. It was a bunch of dragons and sacrificing triggers and just performed really well. When Digi saw I had the power to influence the game, he said to me words to the effect of, do not let those slivers get out of control. Otherwise, we're fudged. But he didn't say fudged. I was able to secure the win, but it came down to a grueling slugfest of a 1v1 between me and the sliver player, cementing Digi's words in my mind and in my internal algorithm for threat assessment. This was the last Commander game we played prior to the game we played in the story and read on episode 80. 
You still with us out there, folks? This is a long document. We're, we're getting through it. We got a, a few more articles, just a couple more. Article three, on the topic of instinct, the deck I played in Digi's Confessional was my Is It Agar, the Freezing Flame deck. What is this? A school for Jai Ants? Haha, <laughs> nice. It's a little, a little Zoolander reference there. The deck was a simple brew, giant and wizard typal, focusing on casting big stoppy giants, generating excess damage and drawing cards. Defiler of Instinct, previously referenced in Digi's story as a creature I believe that allowed Uncle Stern to ping something for one damage, was included in this brew as a way to reduce the cost of my big, expensive giant creatures. I could pay two life in place of a red mana, and when I cast a red spell, send one damage to any target. Article 4, on the topic of digestion. Digi cited hanger and a lack of coffee as a justification for salt. I agree they belong on the record, but there was a third factor missing from this list of ailments, constipation. (laughs) Oh, God, that surprised me. Okay. Nature needed to take its course. On February 14th, 2013, an Amazon order was placed for a mug bearing the creed Digi and I lived by in our 20s. It was a birthday gift for the man. The mug was a deep, rich brown, and on the side, it read coffee, then poop. If Digi had not had food and had not had coffee, it is more than probable that nature had not taken its course, and the backup in his bowels had produced a buildup of salt in his heart. (laughs) (laughs) I I love that. I love that there's like a logical construction that if he has not had coffee, then it follows that. (laughs) That he has not pooped. Owing, Owing to this thing that he purchased. Also included here is a screenshot of like an Amazon order evidence with the date, February 13, 2013, where this thing was purchased. (laughs) Fucking ridiculous, Stern. You are crazy, dude. Article 5, on the topic of salt. I own magic cards because Digiman's passion for the game is contagious. I play magic because Digi's persistence in recruiting players is unceasing. The Defiler of Instinct was in my deck because Digi taught me the importance of finding other ways to meet the price of my CMC requirements. The sliver was targeted because Digi stressed the danger of letting them gain traction. And based on keen assessment of the board, it was the only meaningful target for one damage to fall at the time. The culmination of these facts resulted in the previously documented, you fucking schmuck. I knew in that moment I was a schmuck, but not because of the dead sliver lying at my feet. In the same way that a son might ask, are you proud of me now, dad? My actions (laughs) from each play down to the brewing of my deck was a search for Digi's approval, approval that was spiked into the ground in a brief, uncontrolled fit of rage. While Digi may feel better confessing his salt, and while it's obvious that when we are in the same pod, the game we play transcends our game mats, I cannot in good faith support a sugar break rating. There is no halt to the salt. And to finish it off, there is a screenshot of a DM from Digi that says, LOL, my salt towards Stern will never go away. Sincerely, Stern. <laughs> Hold for applause. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, the insert insert laugh track. What a saga. That's so ridiculous. <laughs> I believe that's the most evidence we've ever had submitted uh, <laughs> in, in support of a claim, but... I have to say, I think that this is overall a poorly structured argument for an appeal of a sugar break (laughs) on account of the fact that the only thing that you've proven is that you all enjoy 
shitting on each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is so true. That that was like the takeaway from episode 80 was that like it's just two friends kind of dunking on each other, making each other salty. And the joy that comes out of that just leads to these fun moments. And like this is another one of those moments. Sorry, Stern. Uh, I'm going to have to agree with with Justice Mike here. I'm not going to reverse the ruling. <laughs> Justice Tony, do you have any comments I, on the matter? <laughs> you know, the main thing I took away from somewhere in the middle of this post was when he started talking about the uh, poop. The al- no, no, <laughs> not the. I'm shocked that it's not that <laughs> the uh, algorithm for threat assessment was like honestly the biggest thing that I started thinking about, and I was like, "What is my algorithm for threat assessment?" Because I was like, "You know what? It's way different than Mike's." <laughs> and it's way different from Nick's, <laughs> which is in turn different from sam's <laughs> so, yeah like, which is the correct one so you know uh, obviously obviously yeah <laughs> uh, fucking bullshit uh but yeah no i i was also thinking that i was like i feel like i love the vibe that this has given me because if my best man slash best friend did something like this i would in turn do a very similar thing back oh, yeah, yeah and so i was like i just love that energy that is uh coming through it yeah and it's so sweet i won't be overturning shit today almost like sugar yeah mm. the sweetness of this post <laughs> it, it, it also i love like the history built into all of this because it, it also kind of sums up why some of these salty moments can be fun like if you throw yeah. this one damage at a random sliver players one one and there's not this like decades of history of friendship <laughs> like there's the this moment where that that salt is like awkward and kind of quiet. And it's like, Oh, I'm a little upset that this guy killed my sliver. Yeah. And in this, it's this explosive, like, I don't know, vibrant moment. <laughs> I don't think that's just great. I still think that's sugary. I'll grant that maybe we downplayed the, uh, the frustration of the moment. I agree with that. I mean, I, I think maybe we had some rose colored glasses, uh, with the previous assessment, but I will say at the end of the day, to me, this is the sugar of two good friends just kind of getting at each other and being goofy. You know what I mean? Yeah. It honestly reminds me a lot of the Tony and Nick feud, <laughs> especially what you said, Mike, where like, you know, if this was just a random person sliver that got removed, then of course that random person would probably not have this salty explosion. And very often I think we see like Nick will do something to Tony or we'll remove something on Tony's board or something like that. And it's pretty innocuous, but it causes this like eruption and chain <laughs> reaction of salt. And it's not the action that's happening there. There's like a history of repeated yeah, removal, the history repeated of salt. Bullshit I've had to deal with. <laughs> and so obviously it's the feud. I'm in the right. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag respect the feud. Yeah, exactly. So I I really, I really dig it, man. I, I love that kind of like deep dive into how a play group gets to that point. Honestly, I think with like our game tracker, if one of us was feeling, I don't know, masochistic enough, you could dig back in there and find some of the game notes that like lead to salty moments that we have now. Like you can find <laughs> the story where Tony first played Rubinia and made us all fucking hate that deck. Yeah. <laughs> you can find the story where Tony played, you know, a different deck and made us all hate it too. Prismatic Bridge. Yeah, Prismatic Bridge. <laughs> or the story where Tony played Obeka and we didn't like that either. And the story <laughs> where he played the bullshit Golgari one. 
Yeah, yeah, Willow does. <laughs> Doesn't even earn a name in my book. The Golgari one. The stupid Golgari <laughs> one. I, I do love it, though. Do we even give this a salt rating, or, or we just choose to not repeal the previous salt rating? Yeah, the, the, yeah, I think the appeal is denied. And I, I would also like to say that generally, Stern, it is a more solid approach to make an appeal on the merits of the trial itself rather than on the merits of the arguments made in the initial case. And I think we just haven't seen enough supporting evidence that the uh, trial itself was mishandled here. So um, <laughs> that is also part of when I'm penning my majority opinion here that that will also be in it. I do appreciate the introduction of the constipation defense. Uh, <laughs> I was literally going to say, yeah. I, you almost got me because I was like, yeah. is it worse to need to poop or is it worse to be hungry? Mm, let me weigh it out. But what if you're both? What if you're hungry, you haven't had coffee, and you're a little bit backed up and you got to poo? You know, like, first of all, how did I get That's to the horrible. game store? That's what I want to know. Yeah. Or, or spell table. <laughs> you <laughs> didn't. We, we all know that you didn't. Yeah, you did <laughs> not make it. Based on your past. <laughs> yeah, track record. Yeah, that is not a problem here. for me. I, uh, I, I'd i be drinking that coffee and pooping no issues that day. <laughs> <laughs> Mike's so disappointed. Justice Mike. Just... <laughs> Stenographer, strike that from the record. That doesn't need to, <laughs> doesn't need to be a part of the, the court notes. Uh, we should delve further into the mind. Yeah, let, let's um let's take off our powdered wigs and uh, put back on our mining helmets and, and jump into another story here, huh? Yep, let's do it. The robes can stay, though. Can the robes stay? Oh, yeah. You know it. Yeah, great. Okay. I mean, I was wearing my robe already before we were justices, so like, I'm not going to change now. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Antonio, you can keep the gavel. I know you were going to ask. Thanks. You should put a gavel noise in. Yeah, I should. <laughs> I should put some fucking Law and Order dunk dunks. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to another one here. We've got a post from Reddit. This one came to us by way of Reddit. This one comes just from our buddy Turtle Seabreeze. So if you all see Turtle Seabreeze around the Magic the Gathering subreddits, give them an upvote. You know the drill. Spread that goodwill. And this post is titled, Knowing the Rules is OP. True. And it goes. Mm. Dear Howling Saltmine crew, I have a play group that consists of three good friends, and we've been playing EDH together for around two years now. I'm overjoyed whenever we manage to schedule a game night together, but there is a persistent grain of salt whenever we play. I'm the only one who knows the damn rules. Mm. <laughs> I think there mm. hasn't been a single night where I didn't have to push up my non-existing glasses and go, uh, actually, that's not how that works. <laughs> and it's always rules that are vital for the decks or commanders that the person is using. Oh, <laughs> Mike, oh, it's nice. physical pain. This, yeah, well, we'll get into it, but this is one of my biggest pet peeves. <laughs> <laughs> uh, someone is playing aristocrats. I'll have to explain that tokens do, in fact, touch the graveyard when they die. Someone is playing artifacts. No, non-creature artifacts don't have summoning sickness. On good days, I'm happy to help them understand the intricacies of this amazing game. But on other days, I think, come on, dude, we've played this game since elementary school. <laughs> yes, I know we both took a 12-year break from it, but it's not my fault. Attack triggers don't work if you cheat a creature in as tapped and attacking. Being the only rules lawyer at the table can make you feel like you're the only one taking the game seriously. 
It's like I'm really excited for a long hike and show up fully equipped with hiking boots, a map, a water canister, and a compass. And then my friend shows up wearing only flip-flops. Anyways, this message has been inspired <laughs> by my friend getting angry at me when I explained that an 8-8 with death touch, first strike, and trample uh -oh. can not only block through four two twos and still deal damage to his face, but it'll survive too. Knowing the yep. rules is OP, I guess. It is. It's busted. <laughs> it's busted. It's broken. It's a huge advantage. Yeah. It is the water canteen and the map while your friend is like floundering along in the flip flops <laughs> next to you. Oh, man. Knowing the rules in magic is like being a black belt fighting like a child who's at a karate birthday party. Like, yes. it, 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 <laughs> the disparity just gets you so far. Yeah, it's it's actually shocking because it's one of the most interesting things about the game that people can get enough of the gist to actually play it without needing to know like so much of this stuff. Like it, yeah. it really speaks to the fact that at least some level of the game is is pretty reasonably accessible. Like my brother-in-law has been playing with his daughters and he's, you know, they're six and like he can do like just creatures and they can kind of figure some of that stuff out. Yeah, which is wild. Like some of the entry level stuff. Does he have them blocking right though? Like let you know, lay. Yeah, yeah. He, Just making sure. Probably. <laughs> I don't know that they're stacking first struck and first death strike. touch and, yeah. and trample right now, but uh, I'm sure they'll get to it eventually. But like you can get some of the the quick and dirty things, but then once you start combining all of these rules, all of these weird niche interactions, all of this stuff, it does get pretty deep. And I, I'm the first to say like. Yeah, the, the game has some stuff that you're never going to know all of it unless you're like literally a paid judge. And and even then, you're not going to know everything that could happen. You're going to yeah. have to kind of evaluate situations as they come up. Even the paid judges go to judges.com and yes. <laughs> ask questions. Yeah. Or or go confer with other judges Not at judge. an event and they'll right. be like, like, I think it's this. And they're like, yes, let me confirm it is. Yeah. And I've had judges say stuff like, in order to move forward in this game, we have to make a ruling and this is the ruling that we're going to yeah. do. You know, and like, yeah. okay. That said, there is a special issue with <laughs> people not knowing their own deck like the the rules in their own deck <laughs> yeah or like fundamental stuff with how their commander or their strategy or whatever works and that shit kills me because like <laughs> so sometimes it's like people not even realizing something is as good as it is too that's one of the ones that's crazy to me like the tokens mentioned in this it's like oh wait you mean all of my tokens trigger this effect too it's yeah. like yes didn't you build it to do that like <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah that really really bugs me as well I, I think we had in like a really old episode we had a story about someone playing Rayhan last of the Abzan. Yeah. And it was after the commander rules were changed so that, you know, the commander is just a little bit different now. It, it goes back to exile or something like that. I, I forget the actual intricacies of it. Um, I don't really know how to play the rules of this game. I just kind of fucking fuck around. You know what I mean? <laughs> but the person was playing in a way where they were basically just completely disregarding the rules and and going so far to like rule zero it before the start of the game to yeah. be like, yeah, well, I want it to work this way. And it's like, that's just not fucking how it works, man. Like you got to know, first of all, you got to play within the rule system because otherwise what the fuck are we doing? And second of all, you got to know how your deck works. Otherwise, like I don't want to, teach you how to play your deck while we're playing yeah. it i think the other thing in this that gets to me is being the only rules lawyer in your in your pod like at least in ours i don't know i think sam and i are the most yeah, like militant sure. about it 
but Nick and Tony both have you guys both have a really solid grasp of the rules too. You know, like you're just not like losing your mind over it when something comes up. That's part of what I was going to say. That's like for this in particular, like it feels like the things that were being brought up here are are like not to be a dick, but like they are some of the more basic things. Like when we have like fundamentals, man. (laughs) Yeah. When we have things that are like really weird or challenging I'm, I, I usually am the first one to be like i don't know what the fuck and yeah. then sam and mike will be like Whoa! and they're like losing their mind like on fucking google trying We're to get like, shit can we just do this all yeah. night can we just look up i'm like can we just move on and they're like oh but <laughs> i won't lie it's usually my decks are the ones that bring yes. up these questions. yes it, it is, is. it is usually you it's fine whatever but uh <laughs> The the thing I was going to say for for this situation, I think something that actually could help you and your friends if they're willing to do it is they should fucking play arena because mm-hmm. that basic yeah. stuff arena really helps you get a handling on. And I didn't even know that there were some things that I didn't know as well. When I was living together with Mike, he was playing arena drafts all the fucking time. Like it had like kind of recently come out, I think even. And mm-hmm. I remember going and sitting and just watching him play. And there were so many little things. That I was like, oh, it's just like even even combat. It like shows you every single step of the way of like how what? there's what each phase is, which I think is usually one of the most confusing things. So people don't actually understand each individual step to combat and like mm-hmm. how much there is to all those pieces. But like, honestly, just playing arena I think would really help these people with a lot of those basic kind of things if they if they be willing to do it. And sometimes yeah. you can get them on like they have like the daily challenge shit, and you guys could like come up with some little mini game to play with yourselves. Do it to like give them some kind of encouragement to do it, Definitely. so it's not just like go get better and play arena. Yeah, and and I've heard people say similar things about MTGO. That that system yeah. is so opaque to me, and like so many barriers to entry that I haven't ever really stepped fully into that. Oh, it but... looks so fucking terrible. Yeah, it looks pretty horrible. <laughs> I like just fucking can't. But in in respect for those that really appreciate that, I have to probably like that probably does a similar thing of talking you through yeah. all the steps and phases mm. and and what's happening really clearly. And um, in disrespect to those people, you stink like poop. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're smelly. Uh, and and, you, and you're you know get good play arena. No, I don't no, play either. Don't play so arena. I'm, I'm just talking out of my ass. I will also just echo that though. Like I think one of the best things that arena can do, other than teaching you like steps and phases, is teaching you points of interaction. Yeah, because yeah. And so priority. often I think one of the things that new players struggle with, and even experienced players struggle with, is like when priority is there for you, when it gets passed, when you have those opportunities to cast an instant, especially when you want to be doing something like in someone's upkeep, it can be kind of weird Mm -hmm. or those weird moments of timing in like combat where you want to do it after someone blocked, but before damage has been hit. Uh, So those moments become very clear when you play arena because you're literally clicking through them. And you you can like turn those off in settings and stuff, but it, it is super, super helpful. Yeah, I used to do priority by like when I felt like casting a spell is when I <laughs> would fucking have priority. I, yeah. <laughs> Back in my day, I used to play uh, fucking I think it was called War of the Planeswalkers or something like that. And it was a game on Xbox 360. That was a magic game. And you would basically just play against like the computer in like different scenarios and stuff like that. But that was instrumental in teaching me a, a lot of like the steps and phases and points of priority and and things like that when you play Magic. So that kind of stuff does get a little bit more complicated in multiplayer games, uh, priority specifically and how that gets passed and how that gets mm-hmm. managed. That's something that I still see people 
mess up. And sometimes it's out of convenience. Sometimes it's out of like a laid back attitude, but yeah, usually never like messes up a game. I think if anything, somebody operating outside of priority, you you know, like for example, Tony casts a spell, I'm next in turn order. And Mike is like, I got a response to that. And he immediately casts like, you're just burning a spell off for yourself, but, but that stuff can be a little bit convoluted sometimes. Yeah. I do think that one of the like big social dynamic pieces of this that's interesting is that it is challenging if you're the only person i kind of mentioned this already but yeah there's this thing that can start to happen where you start to operate a little bit like almost like a dm like in a role-playing game like if you have to be the person that's guiding the table through what is happening it it becomes this very different role that you're assuming yeah and it does not gel very well with being one of four players competing to win right because Mm. you suddenly have this stuff where like the the example that comes to mind is I always used to get called out that I was making rules up. Yeah. Like something would come up and and every time I'd play games with my sister, she would make fun of me. She'd be like, you're just making that up. And then we'd have to go in and find some rule. And yeah. I'd be like, no, it's real. I swear. And it always seems to be like in your favor if you're the person that knows the rules too which makes some sense yeah but it's then frustrating if you're at this table of of four people and it happens repeatedly you start to feel like you're winning off of this advantage you don't even want to have and it's a responsibility you don't even want to have because you might have to be like tracking people's triggers or coaching people on what's going on and you want to be able to just focus on the game and what you're playing and not also functioning as this rules engine for three Mm -hmm. other people so i do think this is a an important thing to no, you can bring this up in a kind of fun way, but mention to the people on your pod that you're going to keep having this advantage unless someone else starts <laughs> thinking about the rules a little bit. Yeah. Well, the expectation is that they start to pick some of it up as you go, right? But mm-hmm. yeah, it is kind of hard because it feels like they're, depending upon how the game is going, if you're not all on the same exact level, like this will happen and it'll happen anyway, right? Because I do find that when I'm not playing with you guys, believe it or not, I'm usually the rules guy. I believe it. <laughs> so, I, I completely yeah, believe I, it. I totally believe it, man. <laughs> Fucking schmucks. <laughs> and, and like like we said, like all of us have a great handle on the rules. It's just Mike and I are like... <laughs> we just love that shit. Yeah. <laughs> We're just like ending for it. I've gone on record before that I like am horny for rules, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like I fucking love them like a lot. For pretty much every game, give me the rule book and I will fucking consume that yeah. shit. I feel like we also tend to strive to build decks that fuck with the rules oh 100 i think that's where the game becomes the most fun yeah and <laughs> i was gonna say like that's what i think many magic players find fun like when you do make these convoluted complicated things but anyway yeah. what do we think about the uh the salt rating here on this one i think it's high salt people are mad the first time that their four two twos get <laughs> killed by an eight eight with first strike trample and death touch people are people are mad about that <laughs> yeah that's the nice thing about these online systems is it happens and the player that gets hit by it just has to be like oh i guess that's how that works yeah. but when you add this social dynamic of needing to be the rules engine and then starting to need to convince someone that you know what's going on and then maybe needing to look something up or or they just have to trust you on it it adds this weird feels bad quality that i really do think sucks and and should be something that you you take an effort in some way to resolve with your pod yeah i think this is pretty damn salty i don't think it's a full shaker but it's definitely like three heaping tablespoons of salt i would say Mm -hmm. 
one for each player at your table that doesn't know how to play the damn game. (laughs) (laughs) But Mike has said it very eloquently. It is very hard to be the dungeon master for your four player EDH game that should be on equal footing because you're constantly bringing up the rules. It seems like things are in your favor. And I'm sure that your three opponents are feeling pretty salty too with some of these things because they're thinking they're getting advantage when they don't. And I have friends that play like this. Uh, I mean, you know, we're teasing you, Tony, but you don't play like this and Nick doesn't play like this. But I have friends in other pods that have similar understanding of the rules or or lack thereof. And many times we have to be like, that's not how it works. And then they're like, oh, well, I, I would do my turn differently then. And, you know, it's just kind of messes up the pace of the game and it can be frustrating. Mm. I will say a couple of these things here. The creatures coming in tapped and attacking don't do attack triggers. And the first strike trample death touch. These are two really great examples of like, kind of not well understood rules that mm-hmm. if you're deep in the rules you do know them but if you're like an average magic player you may not know that that's how those things stack up yeah those are also things like you said mike where when you find those out when you find out that it doesn't work that way it's salt inducing just to leave with i know i've said a lot on this one so sorry about that everybody but uh, i'm gonna say to... something else too so hit it <laughs> <Great>. dude <laughs> Just to leave this also with one other thing about something you can try is just encourage people at the table to talk through what would happen if you do a certain thing. Like yeah. the the big attacker with first strike and death touch and trample and everything. There is a moment where that's visible on board. You can see the two twos. You can see the thing. You can talk that through and say, you know, I'm not saying I'm blocking. If I were to block, that's going to deal some damage and like, and I'm going to still kill the eight eight. Right. And then you can talk through. Okay, no, yep. that's not going to happen. There's a big difference between take backsies because someone did something wrong and just talking through it in advance and and try and build cultivate a bit of that atmosphere of people Mm. talking through okay is is this going to do what i think it's going to do and usually there's at least one other person at the table that's not like directly at war with you in that moment fully grudging against you so you can usually ask them some of those questions and if everybody's thinking about the rules a bit then it can it can keep it moving That's a good parting thought. My final parting thought on this one, uh, just one quick note on MTG Arena. Sometimes with Arena, like it is really great about teaching you things, but sometimes things resolve so quickly that it's actually not a teaching moment. So like, you know, if an 8-8 death touch with first strike and trample hits you and your creature dies and you take damage, even though you thought you blocked it, it's not like the game is going to sit you down and be like, well, this is how these things work. It's just going to happen. And it's kind of up to you to be like, interpreting what? what happened on your yeah. screen that's partly true you just gotta hold full control sam and then yeah. you can get that so also go into your settings and turn off auto order triggers and auto resolve something else there's like a couple things in your settings that you do want to uncheck some boxes because it gives yeah. you a little bit more fine control over what yep. happens so that was a good one i like that that was good oh yeah how about another Let's do it. Third and final story here, folks. This one comes to us from our buddy, the monkey paw. And this is a Gmail submission. Ooh. And this post is titled Asmodos of Saline. Asmodeus? Oh. Yeah, I think it's an Asmodeus story. <laughs> a, pun, a pun, if you will. Hey, guys, love the show. I'm here to share a pretty healthy salt deposit I left at an LGS a couple months ago. <laughs> 
I like that description. <laughs> Healthy <laughs> deposit that I left there a couple of months ago. Sounds like you took a shit at this <laughs> it store. Does, it does kind of, doesn't it? I was gonna let it ride. Maybe we were just primed because of the the Stern story yeah, earlier. You had some coffee. Been a lot of poop jokes. This, uh, I guess, it's gonna have to be in the title. <laughs> no, no, not in the title. Uh, there's judges there's one line we haven't poop. crossed yet. It's perfect not, title. Yeah, <laughs> perfect title. Is, I don't know what you guys are talking about. This, this is this is a perfect Tony suggested title that then I shoot down. <laughs> And I don't even respond when you post it now. I just am like, nah. I know, which makes me not post it. Uh, now I've got to like say them aloud in the episode <laughs> to make it like. Oh, man. All right. Let me kick this off again. I'm here to share a pretty healthy salt deposit. I can't read that. <laughs> I can't now. A healthy salt deposit? Okay. A fatty salt load <laughs> that I left, <laughs> that I dropped out of LGS. <laughs> I absolutely blew up this LGS with my salt deposit. <laughs> oh, man. I'm here to share a pretty healthy salt deposit I left at an LGS a couple months ago. I've only really started playing Paper Commander this year, but I've been playing Brawl in Arena for quite a while now. Hey, nice. It's hey. like we planned it. Yeah, and I didn't. It's just fate. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I'm primed in being a salt-generating bunghole. The first deck I've built on my own is John Arenicus, and the first game I played with it was against a Magda Treasure deck, a Slowbad Artifact deck, and a Mono Blue Sphinx deck with a massive card draw win con. Turn five or six, I'm kind of behind and just have John on the battlefield. I bribery the Slowbad player and fetch a Dockside for 26 treasures. That kind of dough buys a lot of salt. I cast Hercules Recall on the Slowbad player and completely disassemble their board. I animate dead some 6-6 dragon from the Magda player's graveyard, bait out a counterspell from the mono blue player with a breach the multiverse, play a 5-5 flying demon, and then put into play a niche but nasty Asmodeus the Archfiend. Using John's end step ability, I give Asmodeus to the mono blue player. On the next turn, I kill the Slowbad and Magda players and pass to mono blue, and they scoop at sorcery speed because Asmodeus no longer allows them to draw cards and they only had two cards in their hand that they didn't have any mana to cast. I don't feel bad for the explosive bribery play, but I know I salted out the blue player because they still try to hate me out of games to this day. I'd ask if I am the asshole, but I think I know the answer. You're not. You just fucking got them. <laughs> Let's read some cards, y'all. Let's read some cards on this one. Let's read them. So John Arenicus, the Shattered One, this is a Demir commander, costs two, a blue, and a black, legendary creature, elf, wizard, it's a 3-3. Three, three. At the beginning of your end step, target opponent gains control of up to one target creature you control, put two plus one plus one counters on it, tap it, and it's goaded for the rest of the game, and it gains this creature can't be sacrificed. Whenever a creature you own but don't control attacks, you get to draw a card. It's a fucking cool commander, dude. Yeah, that's really neat. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. Just What's like, the name of that again? John Arenicus Shattered One. So let's also hit bribery. I don't know. I think we've talked about it a while ago, but it's definitely been a while on that one. It's been a while. Bribery is a blue sorcery. It costs three and two blue. It says search target opponent's library for a creature card and put that card onto the battlefield under your control. Then that player shuffles. Nice and simple. Short, sweet, and to the point there to get that dock side. And then what's another good one to read here? Let's hit up that Asmodeus, huh? Mm -hmm. 
So Asmodeus the Archfiend costs four and two black. It's a legendary creature devil god. It's a 6-6. Six, six. More like 666, six, six, am I right? <laughs> bah, bah. Uh, it has binding contract. <laughs> no. If you would draw a card, <laughs> exile the top card of your library face down, pay three black, draw seven cards, and then pay one black, return all cards, exiled with Asmodeus the Archfiend to their owner's hand, and you lose that much life. Basically, you draw stuff into exile, and then you pay one, and you put all of those cards into your hand and lose that much life. Okay. There's a lot of lines of text on Asmodeus. The only line that's relevant here is that it has a replacement effect. If you would draw a card, exile the top card of your library face down instead. Okay, very interesting. That's spicy to give that away to someone. <laughs> it basically locked them out of the game. Yeah, unless they have like a Felwar stone. Yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, and can pay the black. That That is true. There is a way out of that. Yeah, it's not a complete lock. But if you don't have it on there, then you are stuck with just what you have on board and in hand and you get no more cards. You're not yeah. going to draw any more cards for the rest of the game. Damn, that is pretty salty. Uh, that is a dose of salt. It's really just like a, an incredibly explosive turn. People don't like being locked out of games, you know? Generally speaking, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so even even if it's like just as valid of a way to win... And this is just like so convoluted. I, I honestly have a hard time believing that it's that it would be so salty for another player. It doesn't feel good to lose this way, but it is so wacky and interesting that you have to at least respect it, right? Yeah, I think this could be something where if I was that mono blue player uh, playing against Monkey Paw and the John Arenicus deck in the future, I would be on high alert because I know that if they can give me this Asmodeus to lock me out of the one thing that I'm really wanting to do, which is draw a shit ton of cards. I could see how that could lead to some salt, some lingering salt in the future. But I mean, this person's still trying to hate them out of the game. Like, you know, it just kind of get over it, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Magnus player's fault for running a dock site anyway. It's yeah. dock and casual. What are you, a pub stomper? Gee. Yeah. <laughs> it is interesting how much a dock side can power a turn, though. You know what I mean? Yeah, it can lead into insane things. Uh, so good that you can pay five for a Dockside and it still is worth it. <laughs> it's still incredibly good. Yeah. 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 I think if Dockside costs five mana, I would still play it in decks. Yeah. Hmm. Good question. Maybe. I don't know. Do you run Bribery? <laughs> I don't, but I don't own one. Oh. And I don't play a lot of blue. It's because blue sucks. Trash color for trash players. <laughs> There it is. Mark your bingo cards, folks. <laughs> I'm still kind of stuck on. I think the commander is really cool. <laughs> Are you just going down a hole <laughs> reading about John Arenicus? <laughs> yeah, I've been suspiciously quiet over there. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so there's a question posed. It's really just like they were asking if they're the asshole here, right? They would, but they think they are. I think they're jumping to saying they're the asshole way too soon. Like, you're fine. You're playing your game. You're doing what your commander does. You're doing wow. stuff. You're stealing people's dock sides. I'm I'm here for it. <laughs> yeah, I think it's fine too. You know, every once in a while you're gonna have that explosive turn that is, you know, like a percentile of a percentile. You know, it occurs in like one in a hundred games or something fucking crazy happens. You blast everybody in a really strange way. It's not like you built this John Arenicus deck to cast Dockside and pop off every single game. Yeah, but it happened. So that's the problem, right? So like, yeah. guess what? You're not going to be able to play this deck in this pod 
the same way ever again because <laughs> they're just gonna like yeah. be mad at you for it that like, is fair like you you've probably left a lasting impression i mean you definitely have with yeah. the uh the blue sphinx player i'm just directly thinking about my yearlock deck that did did the thing once and never again <laughs> what a waste <laughs> what a waste <laughs> Yeah, it's because you tutored for that Genesis wave, dude. You fucking deserved it. <laughs> uh. Stories like this do make me think about Dockside, though, as just a card in casual. I think Dockside is totally fine in casual. You know, it's great in CDH. I think it's balanced in casual for the most part. But there are these moments where it absolutely spikes. And I've pretty much, in a casual game, I think I can count on like one hand the number of times I've seen a giant dockside and the game hasn't ended because of that. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like almost every single time there's a huge ass dockside in a casual game, the that's like powering out a win con or getting you to the end of the game. Big fat ass dockside. Yeah, it's a big game warping card. I, I still think that that's fine to exist in Commander personally. Same. I think For sure. I think that's the, the shtick of Commanders that people play these cards that have huge effects on on where the game is at yeah yeah uh, it's definitely busted good though yeah it's it's absolutely insane especially when it's someone else's yeah that's <laughs> even better dude well it feels good when it's someone else's yeah kind of like when you bribery someone's consecrated sphinx Ooh, yeah that shit of, is good it's too, their dude. bribery <laughs> and they told you what to go get thanks nick <laughs> hashtag shout out nick. did that happen yeah, one of the first times I played Ragavan, which had a similar oh, effect oh, where it's like I played Ragavan, Ragavan. I got a bribery off the top. Uh, and he was like, you want this card, which is Consecrated Sphinx. And I got it. And then you guys didn't remove it. So like I just had a Consecrated Sphinx for like... Removal doesn't grow on trees, Tony. four or five turns. It's it's weird because I remember having five Doom Blades in my hand. I don't know why I didn't cast them. <laughs> yeah, odd. I honestly think I got it on turn like three or something because I had three mana and hit with Ragavan twice. And so... It was probably turn two, let's be honest. No, it was it... probably turn one Ragavan, turn two, Soul Ring, hit, make a treasure... Play it's land definitely not bribery these fucking people. <laughs> and you also uh did a mana crypt, so it actually was totally Yeah, long. yeah. And you oh, and you right. Simeon Spirit guided also uh and you add Nos. You Simeon to... Butterfly to add yeah. one white yeah. and then like you, you did also play Time Vault and you took four extra turns. Yeah, uh, yeah. which, which was is illegal. Weird. Which is yeah. illegal. <laughs> um yeah, oh man, that fucking Ragavan deck, dude. Why don't you do you still have that one together? uh maybe but that deck was bad too because it's like it popped off a couple times but if it didn't get like the thing it had a reputation so like and like i couldn't get ragavan through as much yeah uh, that's true. and it just that was my like good red stuff deck i just had like a bunch of good red shit and so i put it all in one deck and funny enough that just kind of like works pretty well yeah, it turns out ragavan's a good card but like <laughs> You start stealing people's shit and they get all upset about it. And like, then <laughs> yeah, people don't like that. I've heard. Yeah. <laughs> so like you're, right now you're like, where is that deck? I think you're one of the people who's like, why are you fucking playing this deck? <laughs> no, I don't know. Yeah, you can bring it back now. Just make it budget, dude. Make it a hundred dollar budget deck. That's well, just not appealing to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Anyway, what do we think about the salt rating on this uh, bad boy here? So this is a salty confessional. Clearly. Um, mm. I I agree with Mike. I do not think you're the asshole. I think this is just a really wild play. Your deck popped off. It definitely left a lasting impression. But in my opinion, let me let me put my powdered wig back on. Yeah. <clears throat> not the asshole. That was a lot of buildup. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, I put it on crooked the first time. Mm. If your deck's entire goal was to always give as many players as Modius as possible, <laughs> like you, you know, it'll start to change. the The verdict might start to change, but that's not what. It's clearly in the deck to do what it did, and yeah. that's fine. That's fine. Tony, thoughts? I'm still just brewing John Arenicus, the shattered one. <laughs> I like that the part Tony's most stuck up on him for this card is that this creature can't be sacrificed. Tony's like, oh, that's not I what can, I'm most if I can give my opponent, I, I can tell it is, if I can give my opponent this and then make them give me my stuff, then my stuff can't be forced to be sacrificed and then I'll be good. <laughs> I mean, it's a plus. I'm not saying it's not a plus, but like, <laughs> oh man. Yeah. I think for me, the thing that sticks the most, because this happens to me a lot with decks, is just like, it only takes one time for something to pop off and it's just like the deck's just going to have a reputation. You just have to deal with that. Like if your pod tends to be the same people, which I love, don't get me wrong, that's going to be what comes to their mind. It's not going to be the three other times that the deck didn't do anything. It's always going to be that one thing. So you're just going to either have to play it differently or play different decks because like eventually maybe they'll believe you. But then by the time they believe you, it's usually because the deck actually was bad. And then you're like, well, I don't want to play this bad deck anymore. So that's usually <laughs> what happens to me. Yeah, that's the Yearlock story. It was yeah. amazing one time and it was bad every other time. <laughs> yeah, but people like start to like pound you because they're like, oh, like he's going to fucking do crazy shit. You and you're like, I'm not doing anything. <laughs> yeah, I mean, let, let's let, let's pause real quick and, and talk about this for a little bit because I don't think we've talked about decks that have like public relations issues like PR problems <laughs> this is exactly a case of that you've left a salty taste in everyone's mouth and mm. when they see you play John Arenicus they're gonna think of that salt again you know yeah it'll come back and, and it's a hard thing to combat you really have two choices you can change the deck materially you know you can be like okay these cards made you salty I'm cutting them from the deck and I'm going to keep the same shell. I'm going to shift the focus and and basically like show people in your mock shield list or your architect or whatever the fuck show people that the deck has changed and I've removed the salty cards. I've removed the offending cards or you fucking lean into it and you're like, this is my very powerful deck and it's going to do broken shit and I'll play it when we have our powerful broken shit games, you know, mm. for this player, I guess what I'm saying is if this blue player is always salty at you because of this moment you could be like asmodeus isn't in the deck anymore and maybe get around some of that salt yeah that'll work to lie and then still have it and then stick them with it don't do that we'll sideboard it and then use (laughs) karn and bring it in (laughs) double check the fun meter on this deck you know make sure that you're having enough fun that it's worth it maybe slightly pissing off some other people that you play this into occasionally like if you're having a grand old time and one guy at your table doesn't like it but two other people are fine with it Mm -hmm. it's probably okay if you are always kind of like eh I sort of enjoy this deck and everyone else at the table is like please please don't do what you're about to do then maybe it's time to either tweak it like Sam is saying or, or retire it or put it in the trash. I think just live it though. I think you're totally fine with this deck. Just live it. Well, is it that time of the week? I think it is that time of the week. Oh baby. Lay it on me. It's the time of the week that comes every week, every week, baby, every fucking week. It's the time of the week where we say, Mike, 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 Mike. What's the salty card of the week? 
the salty card of the week this week. Prospectors all hanging in the mine. Stories with some surprises who stack my board each time this game will scoop to that. I want your souls. I need your souls. I want your souls. I need your souls. That was a cover of Skulls by the Misfits, and it was requested by our buddy Bo Bo Fett. Thanks, Bo. All right, hit us with that salty card. Fuck yeah. Well, thanks, Sam. The salty card of the week of this week is the one ring. Oh, <laughs> baby. Man. So this is clearly off of our 2023 data because it yeah. was not printed beforehand. Man, what put this on the list? <laughs> <laughs> so I'll read the card for everybody. Thank you. For all the kids at home. The one ring, four mana for a legendary artifact with indestructible when the one ring enters the battlefield, if you cast it, you gain protection from everything until your next turn. At the beginning of your upkeep, you lose one life for each bird encounter on the one ring. And tap, put a bird encounter on the one ring, then draw a card for each bird encounter on the one ring. Put a bird on it. Put a bird on it. Oh. Mm. Oh. <laughs> what a good... Is that a good pun? Oh, such a good... <laughs> That's such a good Portlandia sketch. Um, so how do you guys feel about the one ring? Uh, you have to ask Whoa. one of us. Yeah, I was going to say, are you going to do us dirty like that? You just like fight for it, boys. Okay, so this ring is nice. a good fucking ring. I don't even know why it's on this list because I just, all I want is to draw fucking a bazillion cards. It wasn't until I saw Sam actually play this in CDH with a fucking Seaborn yeah. Muse that I realized how much I like this card. It's fucking uh, broken. Which is like a rarity for me of being like, oh, I saw it in CDH and I was like, I want this in every deck I've ever had. Yeah. And you know, the protection from everything is great when you play it. I don't like need it, but like it's fucking great. It's yep. Lord of the Rings. So I fucking love Lord of the Rings. So I'm gonna mm-hmm. love this. Mm-hmm. Like the only the only thing that really made me sad about it was that like I was supposed to crack the one. And I didn't, but right. like, yeah, uh, yeah. Other yeah. than that, me too, me too. This, the one of this one card is like, about? yeah. Well, I'm talking yeah. about the one of one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same. I was also supposed to get it. Yeah, but... that was mine. And so yeah. that is honestly probably the only thing that I find salty about this card <laughs> because I'm like, it's. I mean, the downside is so not a downside, and like, it feels like this is kind of what it should be to me. Like the one ring was supposed to be such a powerful like artifact in Lord of the Rings lore, and so. I want it to have a little bit of a downside and and but mostly just fuck shit up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like and that's what it does. Like draws you a fuckload of cards if you have untapped shenanigans. Like a fuckload. Like like instantaneously like uh, it's just great. I like this card. <laughs> nice. Sam, how do you feel about this one? Yeah, I I like the one ring as well. I mean, it's definitely a powerful card. It is extremely prevalent, which is where I think the salt comes from Mm -hmm. on this one. Um, One of the problems with this card is that it can pretty much go in any deck and it's also fucking expensive. It was like basically 40 or 50 bucks like when it got printed and it's just been going up and up because it's such a specific set. We probably won't see reprints for it outside of like you know, secret layers and other kind of like money grabby sort of products and stuff like that. It's kind of a combination of like exclusivity and prevalence. 
I really like it. I only play it in CDH. Um, it's not something that I'm looking to put in my casual decks, mostly just because I don't know. I think I've seen it too much in CDH where now that's where my brain goes. I just kind of associate it with that higher power level where I'm like taking it, I'm untapping it, I'm doing broken shit with it. In casual, you know, it's definitely going to still be extremely powerful. It's going to draw you a lot of cards, but there's some some other more interesting cards that you could probably pick up and, and fill that slot. But I like it. It's a great card. I completely changed my Marath CDH deck specifically so I could play the One Ring and Seedboard Muse <laughs> because mm-hmm. I lived the dream in my Dawn Waker list that one time. So it is a great card and everyone's running it and there's a reason why they're running it. I also almost... I, I was one card away from having all four in play at once of the borderless, uh, which I'm gonna call it, uh, full uh, art ones of yeah. like the scene art for like it's the in Gollum, my photo. Yeah. yeah, I just didn't have Gollum and I was really sad about it. Damn. Yes. But anyway, how do you feel about this one, Mike? Yeah, I like it. I think you guys touched on a lot of the the things that are going on with it. It's really powerful. It can go in pretty much everything. It's pretty expensive. Mm-hmm. There is one extra piece that I do think kind of spikes both the price and the saltiness of this card, which is that it became a menace in multiple formats. Yeah. Right. It was not just like, oh, this hit and was clearly a commander card. So people started playing it in commander. No, this was relevant in so many other formats. I think people were playing it in vintage. People were playing it in legacy. Modern. In modern. It's an interesting example of a card where they don't often actually do alchemy updates for cards in Magic Arena, which is their digital only format where they can change change cards a little bit they did do an alchemy version of the one ring and i think sometimes looking at like okay how would we rebalance this is an interesting like example of how strong the card is they had to add basically a cost of one to the tap effect of it yeah so you can't abuse the untap of it as much. You can't play it and immediately tap it for crazy value. Like Which you, sounds boring. It, it takes a little bit more effort to make it work. <laughs> it, it does sound boring, and it's way worse. But fair. <laughs> it, but fair. But fair. And the one other thing that I think about this card being really interesting, is it dropping in the same set as Orcish Bowmasters? So yeah. in CEDH, that was incredibly relevant because suddenly you had one player with protection from everything, that is drawing a bunch of cards and another player maybe that has a bow masters out and is suddenly getting a ton of pings. So yeah. it really quickly shifted a landscape and in CEDH, it also has been a general trend towards a landscape of just like big time value engines. Everyone wants to be a mid range grinder. Everyone's trying to get cards and build resources and get an advantage. I like being a mid-range hoagie. Yes, a mid-range hero, even. Ooh. A mid-range sub. Okay. <laughs> I'm more of a... No, I'm not going to say it. Stop it. Stop you it. You're more of a mid-range dom. Yeah, more of a mid-range dom, actually. <laughs> oh, my God. Where does it sit on the list, Mike? Well, wouldn't you like to know oh, why? I would. Why don't you take a guess? Is it like 300? Is it yes, 500? Yes, so I'm only reading from the top 300 right. to start. Okay. Jeez. But I will I will let you know uh, if it expands beyond that. Gotcha. What a range. The game has yeah. really changed. It, has it really has. So now I'm actually going to let... I'm going to think for a second. Ooh. I know what my number is. Why am I lying? Oh, hold on. I think we should do a new change for the new year. What would you like to propose? I would like to propose that Tony and I both write our guesses down and then reveal them at the Ooh. same time. So we can't fucking game off each other. I am in support of this. 
uh, contestants, please write your numbers down. Hell yeah. What you're suggesting is that I would change my number based on your guess. I'm suggesting that you have no honor, sir. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Contestants. Locked in. Locked in. Please reveal your guesses. Can you see mine? I can't even fucking read yours. We have from Tony, we have 120. And from Sam, we have 148. Tony did win. Tony yeah. did win because it is 29. 29? Oh, fuck! Dude, yeah. 29? You, you have led us astray by giving us the top 300. <laughs> Too bad. <laughs> Too bad. Doesn't mean I'm not going to still have the top 100 in I, here. I would not have guessed that this would be saltier to people than than all the other stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's fucking crazy, man. I don't think it's that salty at all. You would have had to lead me along for another hour before I got to 29. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 29, dude. That's ridiculous. I literally never would have guessed that. I do not think it is that salty. I mean, like, are, are modern and legacy players getting into the EDH wreck and <laughs> fucking skewing the boat, dude? Like, this is about EDH. It's not that salty in EDH. Maybe you see it a lot, but I don't know. I don't see it that much, man. Because, like, for it to be super broken, like, it's kind of got to, you got to have a bunch of setup and stuff. I'm not saying people don't break it, but it's not like it comes down and you draw 10 cards. It comes down, you draw one card, and you get protection. Your creatures can still be fucked with and and stuff can happen. Like, your artifacts are everything, but, like, not in a million years what I said. Top 50. I wouldn't have said top, it's, like, top 30. Like Yeah, I did not even think top 50. I, I agree with you, Tony. Yeah. You know what? I think Tony and I both win, and Mike, you lose, actually. Yeah, I think that is how this actually just went down. First time in history. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, a tie from us, and Mike lost. The yeah, good news wow. is Crazy. I control the definitely recorded results of each of these episodes uh, segments, so uh, I'll go down as the winner nonetheless. <laughs> Do you? Have you actually been recording it? Fuck no. Oh. <laughs> I mean, we're recording it in I'll audio. Put it in the format. wiki when I make the wiki. <laughs> oh, you're making the wiki? <laughs> no. You should start putting it now just in your tracker in the thing okay. next to it. Yeah, don't do that. Yeah, I'll put that Tony thinks he won. <laughs> it took so much work. <laughs> Tony cares because Tony won. That seems like when we were like, let's track Ristic study triggers that get paid or unpaid. And we did it for yeah, a month. And now we and don't even we track like, our games. Whoa. Thanks, yeah. Tony. We, I did it for way more than a month. Like, yeah, it was like three months, but it did die out pretty fast. It was like six or seven months. It died out when we stopped tracking the games. No, it died out way before that. We got a that lot of CDH true. games without that data. Fake news. It just well, became a challenge. Oh, whatever. <laughs> that wraps it up for the salty card of the week. <laughs> well, thanks, Mike. That was a lovely salty card. And thank you to our Salt Packet Plus tier members. You know we gotta shout them out. And this week we have Rothbox, Bathroom Entity, Bobo Fett, Chameleon, Sam Power Gamer, Clearbrook, Deadgan, Captain Cross, Ebes, and Joe Danson. Thanks, everybody. Appreciate the support. And thank you to all the other lovely prospectors out there for tuning in to another episode of the Howling Salt Mine. If you want more Howling Salt Mine, join our Patreon, patreon.com slash Howling Salt Mine. I don't think I've done this in a while. Give me a sec here. Um, at this point, I just want to throw out that we have over 16 hours, almost 17 hours of our extra salt series. And when it comes to stray grains, we have over six hours of stray grains that have been posted, which is like 
over 50 episodes of Stray Grades. <laughs> <laughs> Which are just little extra tidbits that didn't make the make the cut. Exactly. They're all the little anecdotes, all the little side conversations, everything that gets left on the cutting room floor for time when we're packaging up these episodes. We still think they're very, very funny and want to package them up and uh, give them to the patrons. So if you want more Howling Saltman content and you've already burned through the backlog and you are craving more, check out our Patreon because that's where we got it. We also have a lovely Discord community. We're playing monthly games with our patrons on Patreon game nights. It's a really, really good time. So definitely check it out. And I just got to say quick, too, we did a gift exchange and it, it was like fucking awesome. Like so many yeah. people went balls to the wall, did like awesome decks with like awesome swag, but stuff that they ship with it. Like I got these little fucking mini plus one plus one counter tokens. I'm like, this is what I live for as a magic player. Like <laughs> this kind of like additional accoutrements to my deck. Oh, my God. It's so <laughs> yeah. fucking good. It was definitely a good time. Hell yeah. Another thing you can do to help us out is send us your fucking salty stories, y'all. If you want a salty story featured on a future episode, send it to us. You can send it through our website, which is thehowlingsaltmine.com or howlingsaltmine.com. We're inconsistent with the the. Or you can send it to us through our Gmail, which is thehowlingsaltmine at gmail.com. Also, if you find an interesting Reddit post that you want us to consider for a future episode, tag us in it, send it to us. However you want to get that over to us, we'll take a look at it reach out to the OP and get it in the queue for future ones because it's 2024 and the Reddit posts are back. Another thing you can do to help out the show is to buy some merchandise from us. We got a lovely little bonfire store with a bunch of great shirts and hoodies and lots of little inside jokes from the pod on there. So go check that out. Uh, they're actually really good quality and super comfy. So you can clothe yourself and um, drape yourself in Howling Saltman swag. Another thing you can do to help us out is to give us a five-star review in your favorite podcast app of choice, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, and the other ones that no one knows by name. Um, giving us a review there helps us stick out in the algorithm and helps new prospectors find the mine. So definitely uh, give that a shot if you haven't yet. And lastly, we got a shout about every episode, our amazing podcast artist, J.D. Burnett, for gifting us our beautiful podcast art that we rock every single week. If you're ever in Asheville, North Carolina, hit him up and get a tattoo. He's a really awesome dude. 10,000 subscribers are bust. I did hit him up. He wasn't even in his studio. Yeah, Mike actually was there like a few <laughs> weeks ago over the holidays. But did you like DM him in advance or anything like that? No. So you nah, didn't dude. hit him up. You just I didn't show really up. realize. You like, just showed up to his place of work and and assumed. Yeah, you're like, like where's to see JD? Him. Yes, <laughs> I talked to his boss. I was like, I would I'd do like the to same see him. Fucking thing. I'd be <laughs> like, where's JD? Yeah, I, I would have DM'd him on Instagram, man. I would have been like, yo, I'm nah. coming through. That's nice, dear. I I that That's morning nice, decided dear. I was going to Asheville, so <laughs> I wasn't locked in on that. Oh man, good shit. Well. Stay salty, everybody, and don't forget to draw an additional card during your draw step. It's the Howling Saltmine. The Howling Saltmine. Did that happen? This must have been a... Where are you from? Oh, I'm not allowed to say that. Yeah, I'm fucking cutting that right out. What's you your mother's me? maiden name? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the name of your first pet and first car and which What's hospital your home were you address? born in? <laughs> Ireland, my Ireland.
I can't like. What was that? Yeah, what the fuck was that shit? Go, you go know what that is, Sam? Don't fucking lie. For a bit. I don't, dude. I don't do that as much as you. You literally know what it is, though, because you just <laughs> were like, "I know what it is." <laughs> what do we think about the salt writing? Have we talked about it yet? <laughs> What's going on? I think we need to talk about the posts like a tiny bit before we go <laughs> yeah. to salt ratings, there, Tony.